And welcome into another episode of the MNCAA Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. Joining us to start this week's festivities is Noah Grant from the Huskies Warmer Hills Podcast to talk a little Cyclone State Hockey. Noah, how you doing, buddy? How are things going? What's up? It's good. I'm really enjoying the Paul Bunyan look that you got going on today. You're kind of like the urban Paul Bunyan, though, with the nice vest, though. You got the the flannel, but a little bit of urban flair to it. You know, I I like it. It's it's how you like. So does that make me metro? I think so. I think so. I I have no time for your jokes. What I do have time for, though, (laughs) how about this, though? Exciting NCHC hockey the rest of the way for the Huskies. Uh, Couldn't be better. Uh, Marco Rossi, Matt Boldy getting their debut by the time this show airs. Uh, we're going to know how their first game went, I'm assuming, uh, against Boston on Thursday. So a lot of exciting things going on, just hanging out and uh, enjoying some hockey. Yes, and uh, who else has been enjoying some hockey, as avoid is saying, Cloud, uh, was able to get a sweep this weekend against Bemidji State. Non-conference, so they finished their non-conference schedule at 8-2, and two, which is huge for the pairwise implications. And Noah, for the fans who maybe wasn't uh, unable to catch any of the action, uh, whether it was from television or radio, uh, film in, what happened this weekend? What, what made St. Cloud pull off the sweep? Yeah, like you mentioned, obviously pairwise implications important. I just asked Michigan Wolverine fans. Anyway, so uh, Friday's contest at the Sanford Center in Bemidji, uh, the last game of 2021, December 31st. St. Cloud, uh, that 4-1 to victory for the Huskies, uh, a great matchup for them on Friday. Um, Some guy returned to the lineup by the name of Sam Henches. Boy, did he have a weekend, right? Uh, uh, And had a great Friday night popping off the first two goals of the weekend. Uh, Two-goal performance for him. The Huskies uh, scoring on their only power. Power play killing off their only penalty kill that they had to kill in the game, uh, giving up a shorthanded goal though. So that's kind of tough. And then they were only 43% on faceoffs on Friday night. So a little bit of things to clean up. East of Brodzinski, uh, fifth year forward, he had two assists uh, uh, in the game and seven players actually finished with an assist in the contest. So uh, Sam Henches had two, like I said, Spencer Meyer, who ended up being uh, NCHC defenseman of the week. Uh, he tallied one in the second period and Mason Salquist. Good to see him back in the lineup and get, get on the board as well too. Um, and impressive start, impressive start for the Huskies after not playing in three and a half weeks. And, you know, all the things that have gone on uh, looking very good. And of course, David Rennick uh, stopping 30 shots on the weekend too, or on the, on Friday night. So a, exciting, good start on Friday night. And then for Saturday uh, Huskies, uh, again, I've uh, not been the best Saturday team um, as uh, Ford Kevin Fitzgerald has, you know, said to me a couple of times, but uh, this Saturday was not the case, able to finish the job and do it uh, pretty convincingly. Yeah, well, I, I got one word for you. I think it's one word, uh, power play. That was the name of the game on Saturday. Uh, that's, this one was in St. Cloud, January 1st on New Year's, actually the same time that uh, the Winter Classic was going on, which a lot of cool statistics in terms of viewership for that game as well, too. So good things happening around the state of Minnesota, but in Huskies land as well, Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Five to two, final score in this one. The Huskies uh, winning. Sam Henches again scoring the first goal of the game for the Huskies on the power play. The Huskies actually with four power play markers in this game. Technically credited with three because they had two on the same power play. So it's kind of a weird way that that works. But they had four slash five goals on the power play uh, in uh, eight tries this weekend. So 50% or better, if you want to put it that way. That's mighty, mighty impressive. Uh, Killing all three penalties that they uh, incurred themselves. Still only 44% on the faceoff, though. That was a weird trend this weekend where the Huskies were so dominant at five-on-five in special teams play. Uh, Not so great in the faceoff dot. So that's something to look forward to moving forward. But uh, the big standout player uh, on Saturday night uh, was Vieti Mietnin, who's been a little bit quiet in the goal-scoring column. Two goals and assist for him on Saturday, Zach Okabe, Yami Crandall, and then of course Sam Henches again, each with two points, a goal and an assist apiece. Nine players with assists on Saturday, and it was junior netminder Jackson Caster that got the call, stopping 23 of 25. And you and I, Nick, had kind of talked a little bit about Jackson Caster, how he was kind of overshadowed by the power play success. I mean, I I guess if I could throw one back at you here, Nick, I mean, Jackson Caster's played in a couple of games this weekend. We've seen him in spurts throughout the past couple of years. I mean, he's an underrated goaltender. He very much is. And again, you know, part of that is David Reddick and especially his emergence as, you know, kind of a next level goaltender that essentially started probably about 10 months ago. We really saw his game elevate February slash March of last season, carried them all the way through again to the national championship game. Um, and again, you know, it's hard to, you know, sort of make your name prominent as a goaltender when you're sort of the second man in. Uh, but, you know, that's what good depth does is that, you know, when your name is called, you have to still go in and perform in Jackson Caster. I felt it pretty well. Uh, you know what? This team 
we talked about their first half a little bit beforehand. Uh, the second half, we, we talked about the schedule. It doesn't get any easier with uh, UMD coming into town this weekend. It's a big rivalry game. But I do have one wish. You know, we talked about, you know, wishes for the new year coming in. I kind of want Michigan in our regional because maybe it'll be a free pass coming through it. Is that, does that make sense? I mean, do we want them, do we want them in our regional? And if we want that first quarter final, I mean, heck I'll take a free pass to the regional final again. Wouldn't you agree? You know, I gotta be honest and uh, I'll throw this, throw this out here. Cause I mean, I had mentioned this to you before the show, but I tweeted something akin to how Owen power has made the Olympics uh, for Michigan. So does that mean that their games through March have now officially been canceled? I have no idea. Uh, but nonetheless, like you mentioned, the Huskies <laughs> continuing, hopefully their big trend. They're going to have to have a good second half, right? You mentioned uh, Duluth coming to town and um, you know, what a performance it has been though, you know, by the Huskies and contributors at different points. Right. You know, one thing to look forward to is Zach Okabe quietly three points on the weekend for him, a goal and two assists. Nolan Walker, a couple of assists this weekend. He's a guy that steadily kind of hums along at times. Uh, Spencer Meyer, like we mentioned, two points and CHC defenseman of the week. Jack Peart, speaking of international play, coming back from the World Juniors, he had an assist, um, you know, and then a four point weekend for Sam Henches. I mean, uh, Nick, how often have we called him a buzzsaw? But I mean, he really uh, carved the lumber, so to speak. Uh, speaking of Paul Bunyan and things up near Bemidji, I mean, he definitely got the job done this weekend. I mean, it was just so impressive where we had, or I had predicted last week that he was at least going to get a point this weekend. I definitely wouldn't have foreseen that he was going to have three goals and an assist this weekend. So what a great stepping stone in return from injury. It is. Uh, unfortunately, though, again, small sample size, you know, yep. to ground you a little bit. Uh, still a couple, uh, plenty of season left, a couple very important games coming up. Let's actually talk about the Bulldogs, who are actually almost trending in the opposite direction. Yeah. Now. Uh, they've lost, I believe, now four straight heading back into the early part of December. For sure, uh, got swept by the number one team in the country, Mankato, who is no slouch of a hockey team. Um, so, you know, albeit... You know, UMD is going to be motivated. This is a normally uh, very intense rivalry. It's a game of inches, as Coach Larson uh, likes to say about this rivalry. Again, the teams, they play a very similar style. Uh, both coaches know each other. Um, and again, UMD is going to have uh, an extra grind this weekend. No pun intended. Uh, but uh, on, on that front, though, Noah, this is not going to be yeah. – And we say this all the time with the NCHC. No no weekend is, an, is, a, is any easy. But for certainly this weekend, Huss is going to have to be ready to weather the storm coming from a very – uh, probably not very happy UMD Bulldog squad. Well, I mean, don't worry about it, Nick. Uh, these teams meet for the first time this year. They only played each other seven times last year, so we'll have to, you know, see how that carries over. But like you mentioned, uh, Duluth trending in a weird direction, four and six in their last 10. They've lost five of their last six. Um, part of that, you got to throw that in. They did have a third string goalie against Northern Michigan a couple weeks ago. Um, but even, you know, games that they have won. I mean, they had a one to nothing win over Alaska, um, the Nanooks the other day or a couple weeks ago and stuff. And it, it's been kind of a weird tail of the tape for them. Uh, if I can throw some stats at you here, Nick, very quickly, half of their losses. So four of them out of the eight that they've lost have come by three goals or more, but then four of their wins out of the 11 they have have been by three goals or more. So it's kind of been a weird fluctuation of they're either in these nail biting games or the game feels really wide open. And there really hasn't been any consistency from Friday to Saturday night for them or from weekend to weekend. It's been kind of an odd up and down carousel, um, you know, and, and to throw things, you know, the Huskies are averaging a little over a goal more four per game. However you would put that um, than than uh the Bulldogs are uh, they're plus 15 in goals for comparatively. Um, and St. Cloud has given up seven less goals against on the season than Duluth has as well, too. The Huskies plus 22 in the goal differential comparison as well, too. St. Cloud State is plus 30. Yeah, that's skewed a little bit by St. Thomas and UND, but uh, Duluth is only plus eight. So it kind of tells you a little bit about the fluctuation that's been going on. But the real kicker here, I think, and not, not surprisingly, power plays, right? That's going to be the, the kicker this weekend. Uh, Duluth, I mean, a, a very average power play at 15% right now, 10 for 65, but the Huskies 28 for 79. I mean, ha when is the last time you've seen a team score 28 power play goals at the halfway point of the season? 35.4% for this Husky squad, both teams at 85% of the penalty kill. So I think if the Huskies are looking for success, it's going to have to come down to the speed at five on five that they use this weekend to draw those special teams advantages. And once that power plays roll and it feels like they just, they just don't stop. Right. And you know, something that, you know, we talked about this last week in Gibson Midgey is, you know, when the five on five play is better and it, I think it definitely was better. It wasn't, 
uh, you could call it a big step in, you know, but helps, you got to take baby helps steps, having, right? Helps having that depth of Sam Hench's returning, right? And Ryan, Ro- Ryan Roseborough got his first game as well, too. Good to see him jump in the lineup. Yeah, um, but it does help you sort of create, you know, that, uh, you know, those power play opportunities. And again, discipline was something that we talked about. It's something that Coach Larson echoed as well, that they addressed it with the team. Um, doing interviews uh, today, they felt like, it made some strides. Obviously, still some room for improvement, but they like in the direction they're heading. Uh, but no, what's what's this series going to look like? Uh, real quick, uh, just because again, these teams know each other. Uh, again, they're going to be motivated. Uh, again, NCHC points line, St. Cloud uh, definitely looking to gain some ground in the in the conference standings. They're not quite where we thought they might be. Uh, so, what's going to have to happen for St. Cloud to pull out one, if not two, wins this weekend? Yeah, well, continuing the trend of speed, right, and continuing their possession at five on five, similar to what they get, did against North Dakota on that Friday night and that blowout win, it goes back to the principle of the thing and the fundamentals, right? And the Huskies carried that type of energy and that type of suffocating forecheck and puck possession, especially, I mean, a four-goal second period in Saturday's contest when it looked like Bemidji was kind of hanging on. The Huskies had an all-right first period, but then the second period, they found a way to take care of an opponent and close out that hockey game. And that's something that, you know, doesn't matter what year of Huskies hockey that you've watched besides maybe, you know, 2018, 19 or, or yeah, 2018, 19, the the dream team, if you will. Um, You know, since that time, there really hasn't been a team that, was able to close out as good as they have. So to see them return to that, that's going to be the key to success. Honestly, if I had to predict the weekend, the realist in me says a split, knowing how difficult it's been for UMD lately. But I got to be honest, my heart says a sweep. My heart says a Husky sweep. And I want to go back to this too. I, you know, the Huskies are six and three at home uh, and Duluth is four and five on the road. And I don't know that their road success has really lended a whole lot of, um, you know, greatness for Duluth right now. I think the Herbrooks National Hockey Center is going to be rocking. And I think the Huskies, I think they take both games this weekend. I think this is a chance where they grab both games. They get on a four game winning streak. They take that momentum and they run with it in the second half. I really do. I feel like the return of Sam Henches has invigorated this team. They've gotten over the flu bug. I think there's a lot of pieces that are starting to kind of, you know, move into that well-oiled machine here. And then, you know, again, real quick, if, if the train were to come off the rails, how would that happen? Well, getting away from their game. I think the, the one killer of any hockey team, but especially the Huskies, when they're not relying on their grid is when they stop moving their feet. They did that a little bit on Saturday, a couple of weeks ago against North Dakota and it cost them. And we've talked about how in the NCHC and especially against a team like North Dakota that we've seen historically in the past year and a half or so, even if you take your foot off the gas for five minutes, that can really cost you too. think about the great 20 minutes that the Huskies had in the last game of the regular season against Duluth last year got out to that really hot start and then almost lost that hockey game had to win that one in overtime by a score four to three three two so finding a way to keep the legs moving over 60 minutes and duplicating it twice over the weekend is going to be imperative it sounds simple but having the guys at full energy and just rolling all four lines and whoever's wherever they're at in the lineup contributing in the role that they they're been selected for that night so St. Cloud looking to continue their success again on a two-game winning streak against Bemidji and then welcoming in the UMD Bulldogs for a very big conference throw. Uh, Noah Grant, thank you very much again for all your insight. We much appreciate it. And now we return a little bit more further south as we welcome Alex Micheletti to discuss the number one Minnesota State Mavericks. And now welcoming in the man, the myth, the legend, as always, to discuss a little bit of Minnesota State Mankato. Alex Micheletti, again, thanks for coming on. Hope you're staying warm. It's a very chilly afternoon. Yeah, it's been crazy weather again, like usual here in this state. So, yeah, we're staying staying inside and bundled up and uh, yeah, happy for, uh, uh, you know, Mavericks sweep over UMD. That was a huge weekend for the for the Mavericks was a huge week actually for both schools, uh, yeah. you know, as both teams, uh, I should say every team kind of wrapping up some of their non-conference schedule, uh, two important games in the line. Uh, since you mentioned it, what's the start right there? Uh, let's recap the weekend again, Minnesota state with the sweep. How did it happen, Alex? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> incredible play by Dryden McKay. Um, like we talked about, um, both games were low scoring. Um, and, uh, you know, Dryden made the key saves when he needed to. And, uh, you know, just kind of shut down uh, UMD's offense. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> what more can you say about Ryan Sandlin? He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's four and zero against his father, and uh, you know had a, had another big weekend. Uh, you know, got uh, got a game winner this weekend, and so um, he leads the team in with uh, in goals. Um, and so nobody nobody expected that. Um, and just uh, really cool story for for a guy that. Uh, you know, has really worked hard to, um, you know, to, you know, get higher into the lineup. Uh, he had been, uh, he played top six minutes uh, with Nathan Smith out the entire weekend. Um, and so, um, and they also didn't have Reggie Lutz on Saturday or yeah, Saturday. So um, yeah, they played with, you know, without two top boards in their lineup and they still swept um, UMD. So, you know, they, as always, you know, limited um, UMD's chances and, you know, just, cashed in both nights got the first goal like we talked about it was going to be so crucial uh with both teams you know playing so well defensively and uh yeah huge uh huge for the pairwise uh you know definitely uh, they the Mavs crushed it in non-conference and you, you kind of have to do that with uh with the CCHA being a little bit weaker than some of these other conferences so that puts Minnesota State on a seven-game win streak, Alex. And maybe this is something that probably doesn't get talked uh, about enough, but in the seven-game win streak, a total of five goals against. Um, yeah, Dryden McKay is part of that uh, part of that equation. But uh, again, as we say in hockey, you know, you have to play with everybody on the ice. Um, again, you talk about you know how impressive the, the structure and the defensive core is. Uh, again, putting it on display. I mean, this is quite the impressive run, Mankato is on but Alex you know is there a fear that maybe this team is peaking too early or is this a team that really is just priming itself to get ready for a deep playoff run come February March well <laughs> we t- uh it's it's famous on this podcast the uh, catastrophic loss you know and uh you know I think that really woke up the team uh, again when they lost against Fair State you know they have Fair State at home this weekend, so um, they they can't they can't let that happen after you know seven game one streak. So hopefully they keep it going. But no, I think um, I think that loss really woke up woke up the team. And you know sometimes you need a little adversity, uh, you know, overcoming something like that, <laughs> um, having a you know bad road loss. And so um, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think they're peaking uh, too early right now, and uh, it's it's full goal. I think they have a 11 point lead <laughs> on Bemidji uh, for uh, for the conference. So I mean, they should. Uh, I would I would think they'll they'll wrap up that uh, the conference title very soon here, just you know based off off you know the the way they're playing, and um, you know they should they should sweep at home against Ferris, but you just you just never know. <laughs> It was a split when they right. met in the early part of November. Um, again, losing on Friday in a two to one loss. So it wasn't, uh, it was a close game, as they say. And then yeah. coming back on Saturday, the response, as you mentioned, a five to one win in game number two of that series. Uh, I guess what is the key? I mean, <clears throat> we talk about Dryden McKay, we talk about defense, but <clears throat> again, Minnesota State. You and I are both having some throat issues today. What the heck's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> I'm it's, not sick, but it just yeah, no. Yeah. And I, I think someone would say this is post nasal drip. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a medical, <laughs> medical <laughs> terminology. Anyway, now that we got that cleared up, um, but yeah, definitely uh, as Mankato inches closer to, as you say, mathematically locking up the CCHA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess does Fair State bring any sort of unique challenges to Minnesota State this weekend? Yeah, I mean they have. Uh... You know they have no no fear coming in. Um, you know they, um, you know record wise, you know it's been a struggle um, like it has been for the past couple of seasons. And so, um, you know they can come in and uh, be the underdog and uh, you know come into a you know hostile environment for them. And so you know that's <laughs> it's it's always a challenge against uh, this team too. And you can't uh, you can't you know just because of the level of competition you can't can't take a team easy these are all d1 guys and so um they're playing college hockey you know getting scholarships for a reason and so um like we've always talked about getting that first goal is just so gigantic in college hockey too um it can just change the style of the game you know tremendously especially if you're at home you got last change um so you can really dictate matchups and uh get some of your top end guys out there against you know, third and fourth lines. And so, yeah, um, and just uh, 
got to win the special teams battle too and uh not let uh not let the quote unquote underdog team uh you know get get some power play opportunities and some early momentum and so yeah that's that's going to be huge this weekend and uh for Dryden he's probably not going to see uh very many shots i'm i'm sure both games will be under you know right around that 15 18 range for for him and uh you know just make it uh make it easy for him to see all, you know, see everything his way. And he's usually good uh, for one or two spectacular <laughs> saves every, every weekend. Alex, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, we're seeing those of the Minnesota wild a little bit uh, while going on a, a eight game win streak. Now a five game unbeaten streak. Uh, is there a part of you, especially in college hockey that almost maybe wishes you get one loss out of your belt just to sort of take away maybe a distraction from being, uh, an unbeaten in seven team, or do you say, no, uh, let's keep the train rolling and let's continue to rack up the wins. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to, you know, to say, Hey, this should have been a loss, but you know, that bears uh, state loss really woke up the team, I think. And, you know, some of their top end guys didn't play well. And so, you know, I'm sure Hastings you know, took it to him in practice and, you know, um, you know, it's, it's shown with that, with this seven game win streak and they've beaten some really good teams in this and you know they're gonna have you know in a couple weeks they're gonna have hockey day minnesota outdoors um on campus it'll be an hopefully hopefully (laughs) fingers crossed um you know avoid keep on avoiding covid as much as as possible but uh you know that could be another game where you know you can't lose you know every it'll be it'll be on tv everybody will be watching um and so uh, yeah, you just gotta, gotta keep uh, building your book of business as, as Mike Hastings would say, and, uh, keep racking up the wins and, you know, getting a, getting a one seat in the tournament is such a huge advantage. Um, just because we know in, in college hockey, it's not like the bat, uh, NCAA basketball tournament, there's only 16 teams. And so to get that one seat is, you know, just such a huge advantage, um, things are going to be a little bit different this year too, with, uh, with how the tournament's going to work too. They're going to allow an extra day of rest. And so, uh, you know, we can thank the Gophers for that, you know, cause they, they protested that after they, you know, got their butts smoked by Mankato. So, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, uh, you just, uh, you just gotta keep, keep the pedal to the metal in college hockey. Um, and keep the momentum going. Um, and this team, you know, they, uh, you know, that they had guys that could have signed pro contracts, Dryden, Nathan Smith, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, and they all decided to come back, you know, because they want, they want to bring a title to Mankato for the first time ever. Um, and so um, you got guys, you know, chips on their shoulder, diamonds in the rough on this Mankato team. You know, if you take a look at the roster, they have, you know, one guy that has been drafted, you know, so, um, you know, it's just amazing that, uh, you know, what uh, Todd Kennard and Mike Hastings, and Paul Kirkland do uh, on the recruiting trail, they find guys that are the right fit. And, you know, they get a lot of crap um, plaque uh, for uh, having 21 year old freshmen uh, come in, but there's nothing against it. And, you know, guys are mature. Sometimes you, know, you take a look some teams bring in a lot of 18 year olds, 19 year olds, and they're not ready or they, you know, come tournament time, you know, they get pushed around. You look at, you know, <laughs> that Mankato, you know, gopher matchup last year in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, the Mavs just really frustrated a young gopher team. And, um, you know, um, that's why you take a look at Motsko. He's trying to get, t- you know, his team older and, uh, you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with having an older team. Um, and, uh, you know, it shows, you know, come tournament time experience uh, matters uh, for sure over youth. If the golfers wanted an extra day of rest, they should just schedule a game against Michigan. But yeah. I digress. <laughs> I digress. And hey, it may it may happen in the NCAA uh, quarterfinals. But, you know, again, we'll have to wait a few uh, few more weeks for that to happen. Uh, Alex, any predictions on this weekend? Are the Mankato Mavericks poised to continue their win streak or do we see a split or does Ferris State, you know, maybe uh, surprise the hockey world? Yeah. I'm, uh, now that the Mavs are at home for this series, yeah, I see a sweep. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, I think uh, Nathan Smith should be back. And, um, 
you know, I think Dryden will add to that shutout, uh, um, you know, record and, you know, just keep it going. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, last, last, uh, last week, you know, two low scoring games, I, I expect both of these, uh, these games to be extremely high scoring for, on the Maverick side of things. So, um, pray, pray for fair state this weekend. <laughs> In terms of high scoring, how high are we talking, Alex? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, so Friday, I will say five, one. And then on Saturday, I think Dryden gets a shutout and, uh, we'll say uh, four, nothing. There's always usually at least one shutout when Dryden McKay's in the net on the weekend. At least that's what seems to be the record as of late. So uh, Alex Michaletti, thank you very much. And now we'll welcome in Ryan Stieg here with some updates on St. Thomas and the Tommies. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state or province, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit on $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800- And now joining us again to talk uh, St. Thomas hockey and uh, their inaugural season, Ryan Stieg. Again, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Yep, happy to be here. Ryan, uh, you know, you had some compliments on your sweatshirts uh, from last episode, but, you know, I think uh, there were some comments that saying, hey, we need to see the full logo. Uh, can we get a reveal for the, the sweatshirt logo? I sure can. Okay. This... This is not the official logo. We had to find a hockey image <laughs> so to put on it. But here it says the triple deke.com. Go That's, to it. It, it looks like a clip art thing, but it looks good. So, <laughs> it, it, well, it's like we couldn't find our own image. So we had to find like my parents found a default hockey player <laughs> to put on the shirt. So it's not our hockey player, but. If you want to check out the website, you know <laughs> that's where all my not not well, not so shameful uh, free plug, right? So no, no, uh, no. not at all. Uh, St. Thomas was in action last week uh, in an exhibition match, and uh, hey, St. Thomas gave themselves a chance early on. This was uh, a game that I think a lot of folks thought would be a little bit more one side than it was, and as we've talked about throughout the length of this podcast, as St. Thomas continues to. Uh, again, you can't call them moral victories, but they continue to uh, get better. Mm-hmm. It's It was really fun to watch because uh, if you remember correctly on the podcast, I said, if St. Thomas scores first, maybe they have a shot. And they scored 11 seconds into the game. <laughs> so uh, I was like, maybe this could actually happen. And they were tight uh, through the whole thing. If uh, I think if Minnesota had gotten that late goal in the closing seconds of the second period, I think it would have been a much closer game to the end, but you know, talent ultimately, you know, the Gophers are just better. And you know, when they find an opening, they're going to burn you. And Rico admitted that after the game, he said, you know, we had our moments, we were good in stretches, but we made two costly mistakes and you can't do that against a good team. And they're nationally ranked for a reason. And that's what happened, but it was, they played well. I, I said on Twitter, I'm like, this might be the best they've played since they got that first win. This is, it's an exhibition, but you know, they're they're Everybody seemed to know where each other was. They were getting shots on that. Obviously still heavily outshot, but not as much as I thought it would be. Um, so it was a, it was a solid game. I mean, yes, 
it's an exhibition game, but for a team that hasn't played in a month, it was a good thing to have. And, you know, you, we talk about how this could end up, and, and obviously it isn't now, but potentially this being uh, a sort of like, an, uh, you know, a, a sort of a Twin Cities, you know, uh, sort of rivalry that builds pretty quick. And, you know, I would imagine probably too for the players, this a little extra motivation again, the Gophers, you know, there's probably some resentment there, but, uh, you know, a team in your own backyard, probably some extra motivation there to have a good showing as well. Oh, yeah. I, you know, Rico said that he wants – maybe this to turn into a rivalry. Um, I think, you know, if St. Thomas continues to improve, you know, year by year, maybe this could turn into like a yearly series, you know, kind of the Minnesota schools tend to play with each other, you know, every year around the area. So, you know, maybe it could be, uh, or maybe if it's just a series, you know, if it's just in at Mariucci or three M at Mariucci, I guess, as it's technically called. <laughs> so, but yeah, maybe if there's just like a series there, I think that'd be good and just start from that point. But uh, just to come out and keep pace with the Gophers, you know, for the first, you know, two periods of the game, it's just, it, it was great to see. And you can tell the guys, I mean, I was ended up because my wife was taking photos, got placed in between the benches. So that's eventually where I ended up after the first period. And you could just hear the chatter on the Tommy's bench. There was this, they knew it was an exhibition, but with the goals that were scored and they were forcing turnovers, there was that confidence that, Hey, yeah, it's a scrimmage basically, but we're playing well against a good team. And I think, that was good. And I haven't, you know, I haven't seen that. I mean, I'm a little ways away from them on the bench, but I've seen them, you know, get down when they're, you know, they fall behind the, you know, the enthusiasm isn't there, but that was there that game. And that was, uh, it was nice to see. You know, I was told by sources that if, uh, you know, you want to break the, the losing streak, you know, schedule a game against Michigan. Uh, I heard that they had maybe some open weekends. Uh, but you know, what is on the schedule for St. Thomas this weekend is uh, Bowling Green uh, coming in uh, to town. Or actually, is it are they home or on the road? Oh, my goodness. I, I'm getting all my hockey knowledge uh, going out of the way here. Give me just one second here, Ryan. Uh, going completely out of the nuts. Actually, you know what? You tell me because I lost my notes here. So. Okay. Right. St. Thomas is at home Friday, Saturday. They're hosting Bowling Green. Um, first home series since they played uh, – for the Tommy since they played Bemidji, you know, before the holiday break, it um, it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, it's they played Bowling Green tough in uh, Ohio. Um, the second game it ended up being a shutout, but uh, I talked to Ty Wagner, who is the head coach of the Bowling Green Falcons, and he said that St. Thomas was in it that first game. They had a lead at one point. They were putting pressure on the Falcons, and they had to battle through it. So Ty said that. St. Thomas is going to be ready to play. They're excited for this series. They're playing at home. They played fairly well against them. Maybe they can sneak a, you know, steal a win this weekend. And uh, he said, you got to be ready for that. And uh, I talked to Rico Blasi today, you know, preview is going to come out tomorrow at some point. And he said that, you know, he agrees with that. His team is ready to go. They want to start the second half of the season outright. And uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be as close as it was, you know, like it was in Ohio. And because I think St. Thomas is trending in the right direction. Whereas when they played them in early November, it was, they're like three weeks into the season and they're just started a D one program. So the flow maybe isn't right there quite yet, but uh, I think it's going to be a close weekend. Uh, just to recap uh, the first time these two teams met again, this was early November uh, a two to four loss uh, on game one on Friday, a three to nothing defeat on Saturday for Bowling Green to wrap up the sweep. Uh, but you mentioned trending in the right direction, Ryan. Uh, what still has to get better for uh, this team to actually pull out a win this weekend? What still has to get better? Just for me, it's to play the complete game. Um, I've mentioned it before. We've talked about it that St. Thomas will play two good periods and have one bad period. Um, for some reason, it seems to be the third is the one that's just, I don't know if they run out of gas in the third period, just trying to keep up with a lot of these more talented teams, but the third period tends to bite them. They'll play good for the first and the second, then stumble in the third, or somehow sometimes they'll start off bad and then they'll rally in the second and third and they'll just come up short. So if they can pull 
put together three good periods, they might be able to steal one this weekend. Um, goaltending looked pretty solid against Minnesota. Um, I They were good against Michigan Tech, especially that second game. The first game was a blowout. But the second game coming back, forcing overtime, it, it's there. The pieces are there that they can start off well. It's just they got to stay consistent throughout the game. I think if they can do that, maybe they can get a win. You know, and we talked a couple of weeks ago about adding this exhibition game against the Gophers. And, you know, we kind of figured that the score would favor Minnesota. But if you played well, maybe it sets a tempo. Maybe it's, you know, it kind of sets the scene for a much better second half. Uh, do you think that that's a possibility? Do you think that now there's maybe some feel good, there's some good positive energy in that bench that they, take that momentum per se and bring it into this weekend against Bowling Green. I think they can. The fact that they were able to keep up with the Gophers for the first two periods and get two goals in, they sh shocked Minnesota early by scoring 11 seconds in the game. You could tell that they were, the Gophers were flat footed. I watched them kind of like look at each other, like what happened there? Cause you know, you know, they expected to just roll through St. Thomas and they had to, battle them hard and the fact that they were able to give a good fight to the Gophers I mean yeah ultimately they fell short and that's what we all expected to happen but 5-2 one of those being an empty netter it was basically a 4-2 game it was 3-2 after the first two periods and could have very easily just been tied 2-2 so it was I think they can build on that. I mean, you don't want to just, it's an exhibition game, so you don't want that to be your boost, but it could be, you know, it's St. Thomas is taking whatever they can get at this point. You know, Rico said, you know, we're continuing to strive to get better each weekend. And if they can take the momentum they built up during that exhibition, you know, maybe they can carry that forward. I think um, if they can come out and have a good performance against the Falcons, maybe they can build on that the following week and the one after that and one after that. And uh, it's the second half of the season is a little easier than it was the first half. Not, you know, the teams aren't ranked. They're not playing St. Cloud. They're not playing. They have, yeah, they have another home and home against Mankato, but they're not as deeply talented. It's all conference series. So I think it's uh the chances of getting another win are easier in the second half than they were in the first half. So it's time to uh, drop the Vegas odds, right? As they say, uh, Mr. Ryan. So what is your prediction for the weekend? Does St. Thomas earn the split? Uh, can they maybe surprise into the sleep or uh, is this a continuing uh, a very tough stretch for them? Um, even now heading into the second half of the season, you know what? I'm going to go semi bold. I, I think they're going to get a win this weekend. I it's not going to be a sweep. <laughs> I think Bowling Green's just too good. <laughs> you know, um, they just, I mean, they're a solid program and they got a lot of talent this year. You know, Austin Swankler got rookie of the month in the CCHA. Just, he's so good. And I wrote a feature about him. It's, I don't think they have what it takes to get a sweep, but I think if they can just come out strong like they did against Minnesota, maybe they can steal one Friday night or get one Saturday night. I'm not sure what game it's going to be, but I think they're going to get one because that momentum is going to carry over and there's that confidence level that they needed. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun series if you're going to go check it out. Uh, any idea on what we could see as far as numbers on either side of the scoreboard in this series? Uh, well, St. Thomas tends to get outshot a lot. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm expecting a little bit of disparity, not as much as maybe against other teams. Um, but I think... Goal-wise, let's say I'm gonna say like a like a four-two game or maybe a five-two game. I mean, would be probably the loss, and then I think they would eke out like a one-goal win, like a three-two or a you know a four-three kind of game. It would be more heavily sided with Bowling Green with their win, whereas I think St. Thomas would have to fight to get one, and I think it'll be a close one. With that being said, Tommy's continuing to march uh, on forward during their inaugural Division One season. Ryan, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, coming on. As so now we will turn over uh, to our friend Drew Coe to talk a little bit about the uh, inter-Twin Cities rival, the Minnesota Gophers.
And now welcoming in Drew Cove here to talk a little bit of Golden Goal for Saki. Now, I should preface this for folks who uh, can't see the, the video here. Uh, Drew Cove is, is multitasking right now. He's not being uh, Minnesota nice, as they say. He's uh, currently in the car, although he tells me he's not driving. I don't know. I'm trying to look behind him to see if he is. He, he's podcasting while driving, which is uh, I'm not sure if I should be impressed or should I be scared for him. What's 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 happening, Drew? <laughs> no, thankfully, thankfully I'm parked. No, I'm not going to be uh, holding my phone up here. I was... Uh... On the way over here, you know, I was kind of looking over at people, cursing them out, saying, man, why are you, why are you on your phone while it's, uh, people got their headlights off, they're driving, they're got their phone in their hand trying to find their favorite. I'm like, okay, come on, people. This is, uh, this is already unsafe as it is. You've not seen the news? Come on. But uh, it's, uh, I don't don't endorse that. But no, I'm safely parked and just, just uh, kind of uh, getting, getting the podcast in now, huh? But in the work, or as a Michigan calls it, avoiding the losses. So, anyways, yep. as we as we <laughs> as we uh, as we go forward here, uh, Minnesota again, a bit of an exhibition match this last uh, week. Actually, two of them: one against St. Thomas, another against the U.S. Uh, national Development Team. Uh, yeah, their exhibition matches. Uh, Coach Moscow is always a fan of of getting his guys back in uh, to game shape, as they say, before uh, the real game start again. Uh, can't put too much stock uh, into those exhibition games, but drew a little bit of a scare from St. Thomas uh, uh, on Sunday. Uh, the Doug Wooger as they scored 11 seconds into the hockey game. Uh, was there a heart attacks going through all goal for nation there when that goal went in? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I wouldn't know the, the complete pulse on it there. I wasn't, uh, I unfortunately I wasn't able to make it out to that game and uh, uh, you know, kind of the, wasn't on tv or radio really so it was kind of in the dark a little bit but you know it's uh uh i can understand how some people might say oh oh here's the start of something big but uh you know it's uh it, it turned out uh the way uh most of us i think expected it for the gophers so it's uh hopefully it didn't cause uh, too much of a scare for anybody but uh you know what uh maybe maybe it's the start of something good for st thomas and kind of obviously they're not uh they're not definitely pushovers they got a lot of good transfers in from some pretty respectable programs and some really good uh kind of culture building players so they're able to uh you know i think get a good start under them and eventually you know this will this this will be this will be a really uh, bona fide rivalry sooner or later i agree in fact uh, talking to, to ryan just before uh bringing you on board too i, I think we both agree that uh, i think one thing we haven't said enough is you know st thomas yeah it, you gotta start somewhere right it's tough for him uh, but the way that uh, Rico has recruited, and again, he's he's no slouch of a recruiter, especially at Miami. He's won national championships. Uh, he knows how to coach. Um, I wouldn't surprise me. St. Thomas makes some giant leaps either by the end of the season, but certainly in the next season. So mm -hmm. it'll definitely be a rivalry to watch. And I think uh, the Twin Cities are in for a treat here. And maybe yeah. I would say as soon as a, a two years. So we'll keep our eyes on that. But Keeping our eyes on the Gophers, uh, again, going back into Big Ten play. Uh, they're going to be uh, hosting, I should say, traveling out to uh, uh, East Lansing to take out Michigan State. Uh, so getting back into some Big Ten action. Uh, Drew, what are you expecting out of this matchup? Uh, you know what? The Gophers are going to have to kind of keep their foot on the gas and really make a make a good showing, I think, against one of the one of the better. Uh, obviously not far. In, they're not Michigan, but uh, I think Michigan State's they've, they've really come back to relevance in the last few years. Um, and they're able to they, they've been able to put uh, put together a good lineup, especially after a few years where it was really just that KHL line that uh, Patrick Kodorenko, Taro Hirose and uh, Mitchell Lewandowski. Those guys were kind of uh, um, really anchoring and just it was a one line team, really, uh, in terms of scoring talent and the ability to really beat you and beat uh, not just beat you, but beat uh, the you beat the, beat the Gophers, beat the really high end teams. And those those were the, that was the line that could really keep pace. Um, in that uh, against the, the the really big guns in, in the league, um, and finally they have a bit more balance and they're able to to really um, showcase some of that talent that they've been able to recruit over the years and especially under um, under under the under new head coach Dan Cole uh, over the last uh, few years. Obviously not really new anymore, but they've been able to kind of recruit and build a stronger base and get more interest in that uh, Michigan State program that has historically been really really successful over. Uh, I mean. Uh, over the same, I mean, the same kind of time periods as when the Gophers have been really nationally, nationally relevant. Um, yeah, Michigan State's been there as well in the 70s and the early 2000s. Think of all the NHLers that they put out. But um, yeah, this is going to be a good uh, litmus test for the Gophers the rest of the way to say, okay, hey, this is their, if they're able to beat this team, they're going to be able to beat the Ohio States and the Penn States going going forward here. But then the that that next test again, obviously, is going to be uh, Michigan straight up and. Uh, um, but yeah, I think this is a good. This is going to be a good test for them, uh, especially 
um, after a couple of uh, a couple of exhibition games against uh, some teams that uh, they normally wouldn't be playing. Um, obviously, in the the kind of competition in the regular season, um, they're going to need to really kind of get their foot on the gas early and uh, be ready to go. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because we talk about how the hockey landscape continues to change. Obviously, uh, a couple of teams that we cover won't be playing this weekend due to COVID-19 protocol. Uh, but also due to COVID-19, uh, Govers got back some players earlier than maybe they would have anticipated with uh, the World Juniors being canceled. So they get back Mighty Nice, get back Brock Faber. Uh, they also get back, oh, geez, I'm forgetting his name. Apparently, the last guy I'm missing, you know, he's a freshman, right? Chaz Lucius. Chaz Lucius, thank you. Uh, so they'll be uh, they'll have a full lineup again, Michigan State. Uh, but as we talked before, the sort of the holiday break, uh, you're, you're looking for some specific things in the second half of this team uh, to really start to you know kind of cement themselves uh, there in the NCAA picture. What do they have to do this weekend to further, uh, I guess, enhance their picture to look forward to uh, as we get uh, the next couple of weeks and get closer to uh, Big Ten conference uh, championships as well as the NCAA tournament time. Yeah, I, I think uh, defense is going to be really key. Uh, the defensive structure and uh, making sure Jack Lafontaine's dialed in. Obviously, there's not much you can do in terms of uh, okay, is Jack Lafontaine going to be dialed in? He's 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 going to be putting out his best effort every night, and it's just going to make sure that the defense in front of him is really going to need to be good, and they're going to need to kind of be on to make sure he can he can make the make the stops that he needs to, and uh, kind of limit the amount of. Uh, limit the amount of high danger chances that he has to face. And that's just going to be kind of key to the way that was the key with the way it was uh, last season. And kind of he, he stood in his head when he needed to, but they were able to bail him out at some times too. They're going to need to do the same again this year. Um, and it's really going to be incumbent upon the older guys. I think the, the Sammy Walkers, the Blake McLaughlin's, those guys are going to need to uh, cement, try and cement any bit of legacy right now. Obviously uh, uh, they've been some really good program players and a, a long-term captain for Sammy Walker, uh, uh, three years now uh, with the C on his chest, but uh, you're going to really, this is the time where he's either going to be just a three-time captain or he's going to be uh, a three-year captain that led them to a national championship or a runner-up or something like that. They're, they're going to need, they're going to need some, uh, those performances to really cement their legacy as college hockey players. And um, obviously they have, they have, it looks like uh, a few of them will have definitely steps beyond college hockey to play. Uh, uh, unlike some, probably some other players on the team, just, Obviously, as like a third or fourth line guy, maybe this is the highest level they end up playing or something like that. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be their their legacies are kind of on the line and they're going to I think those those are really prideful guys in terms of being for the program. You wouldn't stay here four years without being a program guy. Um, and Don Lucia used to make a lot about that is the, the four year, the program guys, the M guys and, uh, you know, those guys are it. And they're I think they're going to want to make the best impression possible on their legacy as college hockey players and saying, okay, we need to do our best to, and really show up and say, Hey, Minnesota is not going to bow out in the first round again. We're, we're going to, we're going to make some, do some damage and kind of cement this program for the future. And, and not just the long-term future and kind of sustaining what, what the university has been uh, from a college hockey standpoint, but really just kind of uh, the immediate future say, Hey, we're going to be national championship contenders now. And uh, that's not going to change once they're gone. And uh, once once we leave, you know, we want to make sure that this program is in good shape. And I think uh, it's going to be incumbent upon them to really uh, to, to really lead the team, I think, just from an example standpoint and kind of getting that scoring and playing responsible hockey. And obviously that goes back to the defense, too. But, uh, yeah, it's just going to be kind of all facets. I kind of touched on, on just about everything there. But, you know, it's going to be the older guys, the defense and Jack LaFontaine, of course. And it's funny that you mentioned the program guys too, because I mean, it, it's funny that in this, I don't think this gets talked about enough too. When you recruit the talent that University of Minnesota has started to recruit again under Bob Mosco and did in the early years of Don Lucia, uh, you know, your, your windows are shorter, right? You know, some of these guys like a Matthew Nyes, uh, they may not stick around for four years. And, you know, it, it's tough because you want them to. Uh, but for the guy of his talent level, it's hard to realistically expect that. So, it, you know, as much as it is about the older players, you almost have to almost get the young players to buy in now as well, because they're going to be the key because they're going to be out there in critical situations, whether it's in the offensive zone, defensive zone, what have you. And they could be the make or break for what could be a short uh, entrance in the NCAA tournament or a trip to Boston and a chance to win a national championship. Yeah, and that's just uh, that's one thing too that got kind of stale uh, once uh, near the end of Don Lucia's uh, tenure here. Um, a lot of guys just uh, all right. It's just a couple years here and uh, on the NHL or the AHL, then to the NHL. 
Um, and I think that kind of it's kind of epitomized to me uh, by Casey Middlestad. He stayed one year. He really should it, imagine. I I just think sometimes imagine the player he'd be in the NHL right now established. I think if he stayed another year or two, if he stayed even just another year and bulked up a bit, I think he'd be a completely different NHL player than he is today. Um, and and that's just kind of that's that's I think that's a bit of the culture that they wanted to change and say, hey, we want guys to come to the U to come to the U, not just to be a stepping stone to the NHL. And uh, it seems like they got they got a lot of those guys in terms of uh, the Ben Myers of the world. Um, obviously, Sammy Walker and Blake McLaughlin. I think it starts with them. I mean, they're trying to make a, a good impression on some of those guys. And I mean, if you're Bob Motzko, though, you can't turn up. You can't pass a chance on getting a, a guy like Matthew Nyes into the program. I don't think he's long for this program really at all. Um, and uh, not to may- maybe jump the gun here, but I, I think he should be up for, uh, I think John Van Beesbrook should be looking for uh, what he can do for the uh, the Olympic team uh, in a few weeks. I know uh, hearing today uh, from friend of the show, Eric Vigo, uh, he was at availability today and it sounded like uh, Brock Faber's got uh, got some talk around him to actually, to very legitimately be, be a guy who could make that team. Um, I think it'd be I think it'd be silly to to potentially overlook what Matthew Nyes could bring in terms of an, a, an offensive potential upside with the body he has. I think it seems like a, a no brainer for something that uh, a, a a team with that will already be hindered by not having NHL skill on their team. A guy with potential NHL skill on the team has got to be has got to be uh, really enticing for some of the decision makers at USA Hockey. So uh, that that might be my pitch for Matthew Nyes, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, uh, it sounds like some of those guys could be there, but yeah, in terms of just being there for the program, obviously being able to go out to play for USA Hockey. But um, yeah, they they, they just a, it's it's all a matter of kind of getting those guys that want to stay and want to be at the program for the program, not for uh, what it could mean for the potential. Uh, what who, who kind of looking over your looking ahead of your skis a little bit, saying okay, what's what's my NHL or what's my pro hockey future look like? Very much indeed, Drew. Uh, let's uh, give some predictions uh, for the Gophers, uh, again, traveling to the Spartans this weekend. Is it a sweep, a split, or does Michigan State, uh, you know, sort of come in and trident uh, the Gophers this weekend? Well, what, what's what's your prediction? Yeah, see, I, I want to be a little bit optimistic and say a sweep that they've kind of got uh, their first half woes uh, behind them. But I don't know if yet we can believe it until we see it in terms of uh, them putting together a complete weekend. They've had they've really struggled just obviously putting together two complete games in a weekend. Um, so I think that can start this weekend. But I would be a little bit wary of saying that it's going to happen this weekend. Um, if it was against maybe Penn State, I might uh, feel a little bit differently, but I still wouldn't be entirely convinced. I think it'll be a, a See, I almost caught myself there. I almost said sweep, but <laughs> don't um, jinx it. I think it. it's going to be a split, a chance to be a sweep in the Gophers' favor. Um, absolutely disastrous. If uh, I guess our buzzword of the show, catastrophic. If uh, if it turned out to be uh, um, a sweep uh, for the Spartans' favor, so um, I, I think I, I I would lean split um, chance to be a Gopher sweep, but uh, I think uh, even more unlikely uh, a Spartan sweep. I think there would have to be a comedy of errors or a Michigan no-show uh, for Michigan State to pull off a sweep. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I think more of a split. Uh, but again, we will see what happens as college hockey can always surprise us as well. Uh, Drew Cole, thanks very much for joining us. And Elf, lastly on our docket for this afternoon, we'll bring in Max Beach to talk a little UMD Bulldogs. <laughs> Lastly, let's bring in Max Veach here to talk a little UMD Bulldogs. Uh, Max, kind of an interesting day. Uh, we recorded with Noah Grant uh, to discuss this matchup. And uh, at that point, this matchup was still on. I bring you on. Apparently, everything goes straight to HE double hockey sticks, uh, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, for those who didn't catch it, yes, UMD in St. Cloud was postponed uh, due to COVID-19 protocol. So unfortunately, what is usually one of the better rivalries in the NCHC uh, will have to wait some time. Again, uh, supposedly from all that we know was that this uh, series will be uh, at some point rescheduled. However, any dates uh, you know have not yet been uh, officially announced. So we'll keep our eyes on that. But but Max, other than that, how you been, buddy? 
I've been doing well. Like like you mentioned there, I was a, a little bit disappointed to see that this series wasn't wasn't going to happen as scheduled. Um, I, I think you mentioned it as well. It's a big rivalry in the NCHC, but in college hockey is in, in general. I mean, both of these teams have been pretty solid playoff contenders for for years now, and I would say that we would expect that to continue for you know as far as I can see in the future as well. I mean, both a little bit biased coming from from a Minnesota. Minnesota perspective here, but I mean, they've, they've both got a long history and, and really good coaching staffs, really good players and a, a big pool to, to pull from locally here. So a um, little bit disappointed we won't get to see it. Uh, I think you mentioned that they were um, technically postponed, so not canceled, but so there's a little bit of hope there. Um, I was doing a little bit of peeking ahead at the schedule and it doesn't look like either of their bye weeks overlap with one another, which is unfortunate, but they do have another uh, matchup on the schedule last week of the regular season. So hopefully that'll happen at, at the very least. Yeah. I'd be curious to see if maybe they add uh, some stuff during the week. Um, I did reach out to uh, the commissioner's office with the NCHC because not only was this series canceled, the NCHC also, I believe Omaha and Denver was yeah. also postponed this weekend. So, uh, and again, with uh, now some some different things happening outside of the hockey world, uh, it seems to be uh, coronavirus again having a little bit more disruptions than maybe they would have hoped. And uh, trying to get some uh, idea on what the commissioner's office uh, might do, or uh, maybe a contingency plan in place in case things continue to get uh, to get interfered with. Uh, no hockey jargon there. Uh, but with that being said, Max, uh, there is some at least talk we can do with UMD, and that was uh, a, not a great weekend last weekend. If there's any solace, it was to the number one team in the country, the Minnesota State. So uh, I guess what went wrong? So there was quite a few things that that went wrong. Um, if it's all right with you, I'm going to start out with what went right. And that was um, Ryan Fanti on Friday night. I mean, you keep that scoring team in the the you know Mavericks of, of Minnesota State there to one goal in regulation. And nine times out of 10, I would say that UMD wins that game. But they weren't able to get any offense going, which was what went wrong. And uh, that carried through into Saturday as well, not getting any points on the board uh, on Saturday. So one goal for the the two games. Uh, I know McKay is a really good goalie, and that might be an understatement, but I, I would expect a, a little bit more of the Bulldogs. You know, it, it's funny how, you know, you have these sort of ups and downs in the season, right? And I think, you know, what's been interesting this season, we talk about how all the Minnesota teams – uh, have been really good this year. It's almost like they just can't, one of them, and still Minnesota State has really been, they really wanted to find any consistency, uh, have really cemented themselves at the top of the food chain. Uh, but for UMD, what's been sort of the, uh, I guess, some reasons where uh, maybe why they haven't been able to, you know, chain some wins uh, along for more than just one weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of go back to that offense. And they are a defensive team. They've been that way for a long time, and they've had success doing it. So it's really hard to say that they need to to change a little bit of, of their mentality there. But uh, I think Sandlin mentioned it in, in one of his press conferences but before um, the, the weekend as well as after the weekend that they need to start getting some more shots on net. And, and I, I think we talked about that last weekend or last week as well. I, I just think that, you know, they've got some talented guys that maybe are – a little bit more, I don't want to say shy, but um, not as used to throwing the puck on the net as as maybe they should be. And if you can get that going and get some lucky bounces and um, you know pull some pull some extra goals out of where you're not getting them previously, I, I think they're they're going to be in the win column a lot more moving forward. You know, and it's I, I love the fact you brought up the defense, right? Because uh, Scott Salen has always been such a great defensive mastermind. Again, he's got three national championships to his name, including two very recently, 18-19. So his success has been recent, uh, but there can be too much of a good thing. And I, I think I would agree that maybe just in general, Bulldogs are just doing too much of it. They're not uh, de they're just defending too much. Yeah, I mean, you've like I said, you've got some young guys like uh, a Blake Biondi out of Hermantown and some of the other younger kids on the team that are able to score. Um, and you've got some of the older guys. Um, Casey Gilling earlier in the year was was putting pucks in the net, and we just haven't seen that in the last couple of weeks or last couple of games here. And you know, in their their last last six games, they've got a, a one and five record, which is not going to get you anywhere in in college hockey, especially when you're talking about four of those losses coming against non conference opponents, which you know, helps hurts depending on what you're talking about there. One of those or two of those losses, I should say, one of those series was 
to the number one team last weekend, and one of them was to unranked, whether it's rightfully unranked or not, uh, Northern Michigan squad. So it it doesn't necessarily hurt you in your NCHC standings, but when you can't pull pull together wins there, um, you're not doing yourself any favors either. Certainly not. And uh, again, the NCHC, especially the top five, and I would even go as far as say the top six, uh, very close uh, in terms of the points and everything else. So every conference point uh, is critical uh, now. So with this series postponed, the next time Duluth takes the ice won't be for now another week when they will welcome Miami to town there at Amsoil Arena. So a chance as Miami's maybe one of the two teams with them in Colorado College that maybe aren't necessarily in that you could call it the top echelon of the NCHC, uh, Miami you talk about every woe and every end of the puck. They just haven't been able to really put it together. Uh, but I suppose, you know, for UMD to get some extra practice time or whatnot, I guess it, when push comes to shove and when UMD takes the ice again, uh, what's the one thing you want to see from them to change their fortunes to get back on the winning column? Uh- I, I think it's all going to come down to kind of a, a mentality. Um, you've, you've seen it a, a couple of times this year where you're getting guys in and out of the box and it just seems like a rotating door. And if you can put together a, a team that's staying on the ice and you're playing full strength or on the power play for, for more often than you're killing penalties, you're going to be in a, a much better spot than the Bulldogs have found themselves in uh, of late at, at least, but pretty much this entire year. Um, and it's not to say that they're they're necessarily hurting themselves with some of those penalties. I think they've still got one of the best penalty kills in the league. But um, I, I don't think that that's a, a winning strategy. Obviously, you want to have as, as much um, fortune going your way. And the best way to do that is to have as many players on the ice as possible, in my opinion. You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I hear if you go up and play Michigan, sometimes they won't have any guys on the ice. It depends on, I guess, who you're playing. Uh is that accurate? Maybe they just need to schedule a game or two against Michigan. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, I, I, I wonder if the, the NCAA is going to start making them forfeit games. Um, if, if we're going to come up to a point where you're going to have to have so many games in order to make the tournament again, like we have seen in the past, uh, Michigan may regret canceling some of those other games. And, you know, at, at some point or another, they're just going to have uh, the short end of the stick. And it's, it's been announced at least, um, at least Owen Power is going to be on the the Olympic team. So I don't know how many more games they're going to cancel at this point. Uh, the precedent has been set that they're just going to cancel them all. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, it, it, it's funny that, you know, it, it's what makes the whole Michigan situation look so bad is that you play Michigan Tech literally the night before. Um, and Michigan Tech actually was giving them a run for their money in that game. And then for whatever reason, because you were on the ice beforehand to what, you know, is on paper an inferior opponent and you are supposed to play again, I'm wonderfully good Western Michigan team. All of a sudden now it's COVID-19 protocol and player safety and I, we can't play. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit nuts to me, especially when you look at the roster that they were able to put together against Michigan tech, they still had, even with everybody that was out, they still had six NHL draft picks on their roster, which is more than, I would say the vast majority of teams that are playing college hockey. So if you're saying that your guys aren't, aren't talented enough to play against the other teams, or, you know, you don't have the depth when you've got all three of your goalies, including your starter and three full lines, plus a couple extras. I I just don't know where the line is drawn there. And I, I don't know that anybody else has gotten any clear answers either. It's just really murky situation. It makes it seem kind of slimy and shady. If, if you were the NCAA commissioner, uh, you know, I, I think the other blowback from this whole situation with Michigan is it seems to be aware this is kind of almost being, you know, looked with a like a blind eye where like really no discipline actually is, you know, really is taking place. If, if you were the NCAA hockey, you know, czar per se, what kind of disciplinary action would you face on Michigan? At the very least, um, you don't necessarily need to count it against their their overall record. But if you want to count it against their record in the pairwise only, I, I think that's more than fair, especially since that's going to be a, a really big piece this year. Now that we've got interconference play again, it's it's something that I think everybody really kind of relies on. And you see it from team to team. Like you've got a, a really good Cornell squad according to their record, but you look at the pairwise and I think they're down at like 23 or something. They just haven't really played a quality opponent. So if you're going to, you know, miss out on some games against quality opponents, I, I think it should hurt you. 
I tend to agree. And I, I would even actually go, you know, one further than that. Uh, you know, if, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Michigan, at least being uh, ranked in the top 20 right now, I believe there's eighth, or ninth, if I last saw the, the rankings uh, come out, uh, you know, usually the NCAA is really good at, at taking one region, especially Minnesota, who has a lot of good teams this year and putting them all in like two regions. So that way they beat up on each other and therefore they can't go on to win the national championship. Uh, why not put Michigan uh, into the Western Michigan's, uh, you know, bracket there and make them face each other in the quarterfinal? I think that would have uh, so a lot of storylines. And for college hockey, why not, you know, attract a few more viewers uh, to the game and, and with a matchup like that? I would absolutely love that. And then, you know, one thing that I would keep in my back pocket is if you've got some more game cancellations, um, I don't know what Michigan's schedule is moving forward, but if you've got some some longer road trips where your opponent has a, a COVID outbreak or something like that, you're unable to play them, and you find that Western Michigan doesn't have anybody to play that week, make them play each other. It's an in-state rival. It's not that far of a drive. I think it would be great for for the ratings, and I don't see why why that would be a problem. Uh, so I said earlier in this season, we'll, we'll end with this a little nugget that Michigan at one point, number one in the country, um, I had always said that they were ranked on the talent potential and not necessarily the performance. Uh, I think their performance now is a little bit uh, more reflective of their current ranking. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I went and saw them, they played UMD and they ended up beating them after UMD's captain got, got a, a game ejection for, you know whether it's right right wrong or otherwise in terms of the call there but they, they are a talented squad um i would say that they are better than anybody at you know passing the puck around snapping the tape to tape and then getting some one-timers off i think the big 10 in general is the best at that but i don't know that they're they're in it for the long haul i think they are pretty young i think they are using this as a stepping stone to the nhl and this isn't Maybe the, they don't necessarily have the drive that some of the other uh, colleges or, or athletes that are in other college um, programs might might have. Michigan, actually, as I double check, sixth in the nation, according to USCHO. Ooh. Minnesota Duluth, not too far behind at number eight. Again, uh, Minnesota Duluth has really made their mark in the postseason under Scott Sandlin, even though uh, maybe the regular season is still something to be desired. But hey, there's plenty of hockey left, and uh, hopefully they can take the ice along with the Huskies next weekend, although it'd be different opponents. Max, you are going to wrap up the show. Thank you very much for stopping by, and thank you folks for listening to this week's episode of the MNCAA podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at MNCAA as well as the Soda Pod. And we thank you all for listening. We'll see you back next week.